how did you leave Vietnam? What was what was the process like? So, way back then, there's a term called boat people. There's a lot of Chinese descendants who live in Vietnam, and the communists did not really want them there. So they encouraged these people to leave Vietnam by any means that they can, and mostly by boat. So grandma have some Chinese friends who... Um, family decided to leave, so they offered to take us along. And so grandma snuck a cryptic message to grandpa in prison, and I remember it was hidden in a matchbox. And she said, I'm going to take the kids to go and visit cousin so-and-so. And grandpa knows that cousin so-and-so is in the United States. So he said, okay. And so we have to have fake paperwork declaring that we Chinese. And your aunties and I have to go to grandma's friend's house to learn a few Chinese words <laughs> in case if they ever ask us. We were so bad at it. And we just got in a boat with 300-something other people and snuck out in the middle of the night. So we spent five days and four nights on that boat. Um, we were pirated seven times. We almost crashed at sea once. Isn't it crazy? That is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when you describe it, you... Describe it so factually. Were you afraid? Were no, we, we, I was too young to be afraid. So you were on the boat for, you said, five days? Well, so, so we tried to board um, this time in Malaysia one time. You mean they, you tried to disembark into Malaysia? We did. We did. We disembarked onto a beach. Uh-huh. And then we were resting the beach and the soldier found us. And then they, they, they beat the, the people and they make them go back on the boat and they pull us out again. And then after that, we ran out of water. So... Drinking water. Drinking water, yeah. So the, the captain tried to board again. But this time, after we board, they just destroyed the boat. Then the Malaysian government put us in this temporary warehouse until they could find another boat. But then one of the Chinese um, young men that was in our, you know, with a group of 300-something people, he snuck out in the middle of the night. And he went and found a business with Chinese writing on outside. Then he knocked on their door in the middle of the night, and he then that that business contacted a Red Cross who came and fight us the next day. And that's how we were safe, because if, if he didn't do that, we would have been back on another boat. And, and the soldiers come in and looking for that young man the next day, but nobody would give up who he is. <laughs> so we well, owned it to him. <laughs> What did what did the Red Cross do when once well, they found you? Well, they registered us. Oh, so you weren't registered as no, refugees before. You were no, just no, yeah. Unless there's a record that you were there, you're not there. Then we get put in a, an official refugee camp um, for ten months, and during that time, you either find relatives who would sponsor you, or if you don't have relatives, then you find countries that would willing to sponsor you. Um, for us. We always know that we want to go to America because grandma has relatives here. So. That, that was the plan all along. That was the plan all along, yeah. Did you ever feel like your childhood was cut short? I don't think about it. I mean, no. And, you know, it's, it's a different kind of childhood. But there's other people who didn't really have a childhood. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have it much worse. So, no, I, I never, never feel bad about it if that's what you're asking. When you have a lot of people in the same situation, you don't think of it as being so bad because mm-hmm. you see it all around you, right? And people make do. So you said, okay, well, you know, if other people can do it, so can I. And that's that's the same philosophy that I still bring to you guys now, right? right. I said, if other kids can do it, so can you. 